you ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Fairstyle Podcast on a Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, uh, about 24 hours after the game between USC and Colorado ended in Boulder, Colorado. And uh, I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. We got uh, Coach Harvey Hyde joining us here in a second. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. Uh, I came back. To, to L.A. after the game, uh, Connor Morissette, Chris Trevino, and I were all in uh, Boulder to cover the crazy game, 48-41. The Trojans uh, defeated the Buffaloes in Boulder at Folsom Field, and we'll talk about all that, getting out there, and the most media credentials uh, in Colorado football history were issued for this game, so it was an absolute circus uh, in there. So we're going to talk about that, what happened, USC building up a... Uh, Big lead and uh, then dropping dropping all that and uh, almost losing the game at the end. So we'll talk about all that stuff. If you have any questions or comments, uh, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. As you can imagine, we got a bunch of voicemails after uh, the victory, so we're going to get to all those. And if you have the Apple Podcasting platform, please follow and leave us a five-star re- uh, review. Uh, we do appreciate that. We do appreciate the coach. Joining us as always, Coach, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fine, buddy. Uh, thank you for calling, and uh, we're doing it on a Sunday, which is uh, good for everyone, I believe, and uh, I think everyone wants to talk Trojan football as the Trojans win their uh, fifth game of the year, 16 uh, uh, out of the last 19, but yet I think there's a lot of question marks, I'm sure, that or questions that people have that they want us to discuss or at least give our opinion for sure. And we will definitely uh, do that. It's a, this game sort of had, um, well, well, we'll talk, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, I want to give you like a little, just kind of a brief overview of what it was like there. Um, I, you know, I was down on the field for a little bit pregame and then went up to the press box. This is Folsom fields, a hundred years old coach. So it's uh, older than both of us. Um, almost older than both of us put together. It's an old field, really old press box. Um, it's the, you know, there was not really like, they weren't ready for the, you know, over a thousand media credentials for this game. Now, a lot of them are TV, but man, it was standing room only in the press box. Like there wasn't enough seats for everybody. Um, pretty crazy. That's not like they have a place where you can get food. They give you like a little voucher that you could go down into the stands and, and, and get food where like all the fans are, which was not going to happen. It's just too crazy. Obviously the early kickoff, um, they gave us like overflow media parking, which was 
we look, we, we get there at like seven in the morning and the lot's already full. There's no one, no attendance there to let you in. We just parked on, you know, us and like the LA Times people parked on like some grassy area near this parking thing. No idea what we're doing. They had these shuttles. We end up taking a rickshaw um, back to to get to our car. I, it was crazy. And I just don't think, you know, the, the infrastructure that Colorado has is ready for Coach Prime because I don't think there was anywhere near the amount of celebrities that were supposed to be there. But there were definitely former NBA players and like T.O. and, and guys like that. Uh, where there are a bunch of former USC players. Um, you know, it's all the media that's around Coach Prime. I will give them this, Coach. They uh, in the press box after the game, when we got back up to to the press box, you could hear Coach Prime's uh, his his media interviews uh, live on uh, over the loudspeaker. So I like that. I like that they were pumping that in. But he's he makes a show for sure. Uh, but it was. It was crazy the amount of, you know, you saw all the students, they were going nuts. And, um, you know, the the amount of media and stuff that was there. I'd never seen something like this at, at Folsom Field before. So it's a fortunate, it's like the, unfortunately, the last trip there probably for a long time since USC and Colorado won't be playing anymore. Trojans are 17 and 0 all time versus the Buffs. But coach, as far as like, they just were not ready for this kind of media experience. It was absolutely insane there. Really, uh, Really, just too much, too fast. I think uh, it all started, and uh, they just can't dot the eyes everywhere. And it's going to take some time to uh, put the popularity of what college football is now into the proper spots, as far as knowing how to have game management, how to have parking, and all of the above. There's just so many things happening there. Uh, that uh, it's going to be a big job and they're going to have to get professionals in there to help them that have done games like that and maybe hire some outside game management people that are used to that type of crowds. And uh, I think it's going to continue. So you want the media to be happy. You've got to be able to supply them with, if nothing else, bag lunches, which can be put in the press box. But you've got a plan and you've got to have people who know what they're doing. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think they tried for sure. It just this... They were. There's no way they were ready for this. And the building, they definitely have to upgrade. Uh, what's going on there? They, they, the. It's funny. The bathroom. There's one bathroom in the press box. It has like two stalls and a, and a urinal. Before it was just like that's the men's bathroom. And if you're a female, you had to like take the elevator down and go to where like the you know the regular the the people that are there fans are um, attending. You know people attending the game. Now they put it, they made it all gender bathroom, like lock the door, but it was just not, it just didn't work. It's just, it's just a really old building and just, they've got to really uh, kind of upgrade that. But just with Prime and all that, it was kind of funny. Now I don't know how people care about that stuff, but it was uh, just, I did want to give you a feel for, I mean, the amount that when the students were lining up, like they were there super early, um, you know, a lot of white um, t-shirts throughout a lot of Colorado fans. I've met a lot of USC fans too. A lot of people came, a lot of Trojan fans, you know, that, that graduated from USC, live in Colorado now. So there was a lot of that going on. But man, so many people, I had a lot of friends that were going to the game, didn't even realize it. Um, you know, people that are like, oh, your boyfriend is, you went to USC, your boyfriend went to Colorado or vice versa. And there was a lot of that kind of going on. But um, it was weird, coach, because it, it was one of those things where it's almost like everybody left sort of unhappy. Uh, Colorado was chanting like overrated at, at USC at the end. You know, it was 41-14. And then 
Uh, ends up being 48-41. So Colorado fans were thinking they could win, and they didn't. USC fans are upset because, you know, you blew this big lead and, and you know, made it close at the end. It seemed like it was kind of unsatisfying for everybody. I don't know what if, if it was for you, too. Well, it was uh, to a point. You always want to get the W, but again, you want to play well. You want to be pr- uh, proud of your performance and have a nice flight home and get ready for the rest of the competition, which is going to be pretty good the rest of the way. And you want to have a good feeling. And I don't think they could really enjoy their press conference. I don't think they could really enjoy their trip home. And, and they have a lot of question marks. And I wouldn't have wanted to get up this morning and pick up the newspaper and see what people are having to say or listen to this or other shows because you're 5-0, and oh, yet a lot of people have a big question mark on who you can beat. I mean, really, when you look at it, you know, uh, when you see the poll that comes out, you feel they could beat Georgia. Do you feel they could beat Michigan or Texas or Ohio State or Washington, Penn State, even Alabama, who has a loss, Oregon, Notre Dame? We'll find out about those because they're going to play them. Even Florida State or Mississippi with Lane Kiffin. I mean, well, Oregon State. I mean, uh, Pac-12 is tough, and they got Oregon coming up, too, as I mentioned. So, you know, you look at it and you say, way, we're 5-0, and but where are we headed? For sure. And uh, you mentioned the polls. Uh, the polls did come out this morning, and USC uh, dropped a spot to uh, number nine. So USC basically traded um, with Oregon, swap spots with Oregon in the AP poll. Um, Washington, so the future opponents for USC, Washington still at number seven. Uh, they had a scare in Arizona. Uh, won that game by seven. Oregon moved up a spot, swapped with USC at eight. Notre Dame had a you know, crazy comeback and uh, beat Duke on the road. They're at number 10. So three top 10 teams on the schedule coming up in the next month or so. And then uh, Utah is uh, waiting there at number 18. Uh, they they got thumped up in uh, Corvallis. And UCLA is getting a couple votes. So, um, you know, it's not going to be an easy schedule going forward, but that's sort of like where the latest polls are. Well, and you look at those polls, and polls don't really mean a lot. But you've got to get better as the season rolls along. And I think as a football coach, what you start to evaluate is the performance of your team. And is your team staying together? Is there any dividing among your staff, your offense versus your defense, and all of the above things? And uh, is it going to be like it was last year? There's so many question marks that are out there that you start to wonder what is the future of USC Trojan football the rest of the way. Yeah. Well, what did I tweeted this out, Coach, and that it gave me some Cotton Bowl vibes in this one. You know, the Tulane game. Um, USC had, what, a 14-point lead with like four minutes and change left in that one. Um, this one was 41-14 midway through the third quarter. So people are thinking about covering the 21-and-a-half-point spread, uh, you know, can Caleb Williams, he already had six touchdowns or five, five at the time. You know, can he get to seven or eight past Cody Kessler's record? And, uh, you know, second half did not go the way USC fans would have liked. You know, uh, Colorado scores touchdowns on four of their last five drives. USC doesn't score in the fourth quarter. It's It sort of was like everything kind of collapsed at the end. Um, but did you get, get any Tulane vibes from from that one, Coach? Yes, I did, and uh, I think if you uh, look at the end of the game with Colorado run, went, uh, running those two plays because of missed single, singles coming in, 
and the onside kick, if they hadn't gotten that onside kick, uh, I think there'd have been some uh, serious problems. But fortunately, they got the onside kick, and fortunately that Colorado wasted a lot of time. And when you think back on a block punt that the USC had and an interception, which they got, and they both scored on, you know, uh, you say, basically, I hate to say this, you got out of there lucky. You really did when you should have dominated in the game as you started to dominate in the game. And then everything just went to heck. And uh, there's a lot of questions and there's going to be a lot of problems here unless they get this straightened away because people aren't talking about the victory and the great performance. They are what Caleb had. I mean, it really is a magician. Without Caleb, how would they have done? I mean, who knows? But, uh, you know, after a period of time, you see the frustrations on the offensive players' faces, even in the press conferences, of how much do we have to do and the pressure of do we have to score every time we go in the game and when do we get in the game. Now the other team is holding the ball so long, we're not getting our turns. So there's a lot of question marks that are going to uh, facing the Trojans here in the future. No, I agree with you, Coach, and I wanted to to bring that up with you uh, on Caleb Williams because you know you talk about uh, the turns, um, Colorado. Uh, yeah, I mean they they had ninety offensive plays to USC's sixty five, and that's that's you could feel that if you're an opposing quarterback. And Caleb Williams, you mentioned this, like I you know I filmed the press conference and Caleb Williams was right in front of me. It looked like. He just lost, you know, a family member. I mean, it just, he looked so upset, like, the, the, you know, or at least the game. I don't want to, uh, you know, put, put anything else on that. But I, like, if the, it, the, his body language looked like we just lost the game and he threw for six touchdowns and over 400 yards with his first interception of the year. And if you look at what he's done through five games this year, 25, 24 total touchdowns and one interception. Last season at this time when he won the Heisman, 15 touchdowns and one interception. I mean, he has nine more touchdowns through five games than he did last year. And I feel like, you know, that that pressure to perform is there. And I, I don't know. I don't think you're helping your Heisman winning quarterback if he feels like, okay, well, I have to score a touchdown or otherwise we're not going to win this game every time he comes into the game. You know, scoring 48 points should be plenty, right? And uh, obviously, you know, Saturday morning in uh, in Boulder, it almost wasn't. No, and I agree with you. And, I, you know, you hear me talking about it, and it's just my opinion, you know, it's just my opinion that you've got to develop a game around him so everything isn't him. It'll make him better if you do that. As far as, you know, running Lloyd Moore, I mean, they even outrushed uh, USC. I mean, really, Lloyd's a great back. You've got to take advantage of that. You've got to give a break to everybody else. You've got to set up the play-action pass. You've got to have an outside running game where you toss the ball and get to the perimeter and not expect Caleb Williams to do all that with his option or option pass run or some of these things they do. You've got to hold the backside, I would think, with a play coming back the other way of some type. You know, there's, and I'm, I'm not trying to coach the team, but I'm just saying what I observe as far as trying to take the pressure off of a great player so he doesn't feel it's all me. If I happen to throw one interception, oh my gosh, the drive stopped because I screwed it up. You know, they, you can't put all that because it's, he's going to hesitate the next time he needs to make a play like that. 
and now you're taking the greatness out of him. So he's got to feel there's other ways that you can move the football and not depend on him 100%. And I think that's possibly now what he's doing. Like you said, he's sitting there. I've seen this the last couple of weeks. He doesn't even really want to uh, have a press conference. He really doesn't want to say much. He does not saying it with an enthusiasm as far as this or that. Or the receivers played well. While on the other side, if you listen to the Colorado interviews, their players are talking 15, 20, 30 minutes fired up. They lost the game, but they're excited about playing the game. And Dion's having a press conference that can last for forever with enthusiasm. While on the SC side, the team that won the game, it's almost like their locker room is like they lost the game. And that's because they realize that people ex- expect more and they're not giving them to it giving it to the people in that area yeah um coach i agree with you 100 percent. it just was a weird feeling uh after the game we have to talk about the defense i'm sure you've seen on social media people calling you i mean i've had random people that you don't know anything about or that you don't think know anything about usc football is like why is usc defense so terrible um it was bad and i i feel like you know, I would—I don't want to say defending uh, like what Alex Grinch was doing, but saying like, "Hey, you know, I think this defense can be better. And I think it is better than last year, but there was just too much, uh, too many similarities to what we saw late last season with the first sort of like potent offense that this Trojan defense has has played. And they did some good things. I mean, the the first half. I mean, when you're up forty-one uh, fourteen, I thought they did a really nice job. You know, you look at it, Shador Sanders. I was watching. They were dinking and dunking so much, and USC was tackling well, keeping things in front of them. His average yards per completion was down at 6.7, and that was right before he threw that 65-yarder. And USC was doing a nice job keeping everything in front of them. And, you know, if they would, if it, it was second or third and long, the pressure would get there, and Colorado would give up the ball, either turnover or punt. But then something happened. And he completed that 65-yard pass. Um, and by the end of the game, Coach, his Shador Sanders' average yards for completion almost doubled. Went from 6.7 to 12.4, which is crazy. Every time they got in the red zone, three red zone trips, all three end up being touchdowns. Converting 9 of 18 third downs, including 12 of 14 when they were six yards or shorter. Uh, 12 of th- 14 third down conversions on short yard situations. They just seem to be able to keep going. That's why you have 90 plays overall. But what were your, I mean, we can get to the defense a lot. We got a million questions about the defense, but I got to get your thoughts before we kind of jump into this. Just what you saw out there from USC defensively. Well, I think that uh, what they do is they they try to uh, exploit you. What I mean by that is that, because of some of your alignments and some of the things you're doing, uh, they're going to try to take advantage of you. They're going to try to lure you up and uh, get you to stop the uh, short stops, and they're going to try to hit the deep ball. I've told you, and I don't believe the uh, uh, the secondary. Uh, they play too many people. I don't know if they have the best people on the field. They're going to go after uh, the deep ball on you because you can't cover the deep ball, the, the, the post, the streaks, the fades, because you're – I don't think I think their receivers are faster. This young kid that came in, it was a freshman, got what 196 yards 
and hadn't even played before because he's very skilled and they discovered him that night and of course you didn't know who he was and and here he is uh, making these great plays and that all that does is encourage the offense at the same time and puts a doubt in your mind as a defensive player and uh, I think sometimes when I see the secondary lining up when they're down there on the goal line to say they're on the five yard line six yard line and your defensive backs on the goal line or two steps in the end zone, I say, look at the cushion you're giving these guys. How can you give that type of cushion? And they spread the field. You should be up on them, knocking them out of the route, getting the timing off and so on. This is just my opinion. So there are little things like that that I start to look at, and I say, how can this be? And the spying, spying wasn't very good. That's why he ran the ball right up the middle and so on. But you're not paying attention to that. He's a great athlete at the same time. His running ability is absolutely awesome. So there's a lot to take away, but you can't allow that type of offense to have momentum. If you can't stop them, then you go after them. You got to go after him and harass him, hurry his throws. And yes, you got to play maybe a tight man, and they're going to hit a ball here or there. But you can't allow him to have the time to get into a rhythm. And what happens? These players, when they get into a rhythm, they gain confidence. The team gains confidence, and and all of a sudden you're into a scoring race because your team is not on the field and they're moving up and down the field. And you're losing your confidence, and they're gaining their confidence, and you got a lot of problems going on. And uh, uh, you know, I just, I just think that you got to get after him, you got to contain him, you got to harass a guy like that, and you, you just can't give him all day to throw the football because he's going to find somebody in the seam. And that's the same thing they do with Caleb Williams. When you harass him and you sack him, which you do three times, he can't throw the football. But when you give him time, there's nobody better than him as far as looking around the field and finding the open guy. Well, Sanders is almost the same. He's not as experienced, and he doesn't have the great receivers or package of great receivers that Williams has. So uh, he's learning it. He's getting there and so on. But you can't allow a team to get that type of momentum. You can't allow that team to have big plays. You can't allow that team to have success against you, which they're doing. And I think you've got players to be able to do that. I really believe you have players to do that. Now, their tackling is questionable. Their linebacker play, I feel, is questionable. Again, uh, Coach Riley said Davis is going to play a lot of plays. Lee's going to play a lot of plays. And then they don't play a lot of plays. So I don't know what to expect. And I, if I was to start, have my pick my starting defense, I know who those people would be. Because I see their numbers always around the football when the game's going on. And some people, I don't see their numbers around the football going on. So, you know, there's, you know who am I to tell you? All I would know, I'd take Kings, Kingsbury in a meeting personally, put him in the room with the defensive quarterback Grinch, shut the door, and have Queensbury say, this is what I see when I play you. If I was to play you, now I'm an analyst, I put him on the defensive side of the football, I'd go in there and say, now this is why they're doing what they're doing, and if I was to play you, sometimes you look at yourself too much, this is why they're doing what they're doing, or this is what I would do to attack you. See, somehow you've got to assist him to keep the morale of the defensive staff up. Now, this is not the whole defensive staff, this Queensbury, the defensive coordinator, because you've got to get your confidence back, and if you don't have your confidence, 
on the defensive side of the football, you don't have it. Yeah, no, I like I love that coach. Uh, Kingsbury, not Queensbury, but that's okay. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, I mean, as good of an offensive mind as there is out there, stick him in the defensive room and uh, and have him um, self-scout, essentially, and, and help the defense. I think that would be... A uh, great idea. Um, you got you got some of these great offensive minds here. Uh, they got to do something. It's uh, I I feel like it's a much more talented defense than what we saw last year. I do feel there's upgrades everywhere. The problem is, and this you know, just my opinion too. It's like if you have a whole bunch of of great ingredients, it doesn't necessarily mean your meal is going to be great. You need a great chef, right? And is there someone else that could take this group of players and produce a better overall defense? Uh, Alex Grinch this week leading into the Colorado game used a bunch of different sports analogies. And one of them was, you know, sometimes you get a lot of strikeouts and uh, you know, you're keeping opposing um, batting average down and all that. But at the end of the day, your ERA is high and you're not sure why. Um, Well, I mean, in this case, you're giving up a lot of three run home runs. So it's just, you know, you might, you say you walk two dudes and give up a three home three run home run. Yeah, you uh, only gave up one hit, but it was a very uh, impactful one. You feel like that's what's happening here, that you're kind of doing you're checking boxes of what you want the defense to do. Oh, getting good pressure, forcing negative plays, whatever. But at the end of the day, you're giving up too many points. If that if that makes sense, it feels like that's sort of what's going on here, where maybe the coaching staff feels they're hitting like their metrics. But that's not good enough. They're, the the final metric that matters is the score. But they're they're hitting a lot of their like kind of you know sales goals along the way. But at the end of the but you're not you you don't get a profit. The company's not profiting. So you're doing something wrong. Something maybe something's wrong in the translation. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And and you know I'm not advocating any type of coaching change on the defensive side of the football. You don't do this, so I wouldn't do it in the middle of the year. Believe me, I wouldn't because of coaches and have relationships with the players and so on. And and but I'm advocating there's got to be a change as far as technique wise and input on the defensive side of the football, personnel wise as well as schemes and so on. And I'd like to see, and then not that I that it's not happening. I would like to see Lincoln Riley get more involved in the defensive side of the football as far as encouragement, as far as talking to them, as far as in practice. And I don't go to practice, so I don't know what they do. But it's very, very, very difficult to be so involved as a head football coach and be making an offensive game plan and coaching offensively and getting the plays in there and everything you're doing to really give much attention to the defense. And as a head football coach, you're responsible as a head football coach for the offense and the defense. It's not Alan Grinch's defense. It's Lincoln Riley's defense when you look at it. It's his offense, his special teams. It's all of his. And this is the way you've got to look at it, and you've got to pay attention to those defensive coaches and also the defensive players. You can't just get mail all the time. You've got to be able to give them encouragement. and You've got to be able to talk to them. So before long, they're going to think they're not any good because they read about it and hear about it so much that you've got to get some additional help in there from the head football coach as well as the uh, players and everything. Because I've seen teams 
deteriorate because the offensive players are starting to get mad at the defensive players because we're scoring enough points and you can't stop anybody. A lot of us can't play because we are always trying to catch up and, and all of this and that. Before long, you've got locker room lawyers, you've got people not liking each other and all of the above because people start pointing a finger. So you've got to make it one. We're all one. We're one team on and off the field. And I, and I think, and I don't know if it's going on or not, but I think he's got to spend some time with the defense because he's really wrapped up with the offense. No, and he talked about that, Coach, heading into the season. And I think it's a good point. Um, you know, he would, Lincoln Riley was asked after the game about, um, you know, do you have confidence in Alex Grinch? He gave a really short answer like he does. Uh, but he said in the offseason that um, – and, you know, he, he said that the defense is a lot different than last year. And if you don't think – if you don't think it is – if you think it's the same as last year, that's according to the untrained eye. Coaches don't think that. It was getting, you know, kind of defensive about it. But he did say that in the offseason he wanted to get more involved in the defense. That last year there were so many things you had to fix and so many things you had to change around the program, you know, from nutrition to – coaches offices and all all this kind of stuff that it was hard to kind of be involved in the whole team he's calling the plays for sure i mean they got the number you know one of the if not the best the second best or third best offense in the whole country so he's doing an awesome job of that obviously um but he said he was getting more involved in the defense and he did seem to be getting a little upset with some of the questions that were being asked i think i don't think anyone asked anything that wasn't fair but uh I think that's true. I mean, if he's not getting more involved, if he hasn't, like he said he was going to, I think he has to because this is, I think it's, like you said, it can impact impact the whole team, the whole comp, the team's confidence. If your Heisman Trophy winning quarterback throws for 400 yards and six touchdowns and wins the game and looks like, uh, you know, it looks like he lost, they, they, there's something wrong. There's some kind of disconnect there. There is. And, you know, uh, and I mean, I'm jumping to another subject or so, but the opportunity to have contact or ask him questions is so limited that, uh, I mean, I watch your, your press conferences. I don't go to them because, you know, I'm not going to go down there and watch 20 minutes of practice and go an hour, take an hour to get there and an hour to come home to, and then wait two hours to, to ask a question. I'm not going to do that. Uh, my day is more filled than to do that. Your day, that's your job, and that's what you do. But then to come out and have a press conference and maybe have uh, three people ask a question after waiting two hours for practice and then having someone say, that's it, one more question, that's it. I mean, I don't see how you're getting the answers to be able to explain to all of our listeners and you and all the things you do from the people to be able to explain it. Or ask questions. I really feel this. I feel he's too protected. I feel he needs to be more outgoing and not so defensive. But to talk about the situation and talk about the things that we're going to work on and what I'm going to get involved in and so on. And I'm not saying, hey, guy's 16 and 3, okay? But people aren't happy. Was he 16 and 3? Because they're afraid of what might happen. They don't go to a game without panicking when they start to see it because it's happened before. So I just feel that there needs to be more communication coming out of the athlete department as far as the football program, getting to know Lincoln Riley, having him make some public opinion, uh, 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 
public uh, appearances, and all of the above. I, I mean, I think you're just too wrapped up into one thing, and nobody knows who really Lincoln Riley is. That's my my opinion. I've never met him. You've met him. But I don't. I mean, I've met him because I emceed some events he was at when he came out here at Laurie's Restaurant and all when I worked with the Tournament of Roses. But I'm talking about in a football situation where I feel like I could have a conversation with him because I've never been introduced. And when I'm at practice, I'm in and out. And I don't know if he really cares. All right, Coach. Well, we got. I can't wait. We got a lot of questions. So why don't we do this? Well, let's take a break and we'll get. We'll try to get to all these. There's a lot of them. So we'll do our best to get to all of them. So back in a minute, everybody. Are you looking to advertise a campaign, short film, a public service announcement, an important message? Look no further than Regency Outdoor. We have been around since 1974 and have the greatest locations in Southern California for your advertising goals. Our creative billboards are sure to catch everyone's attention, make an impact anywhere and everywhere in Southern California. To get started and for more information, call 310-657-8883 or visit regencyoutdoor.com. Regency makes it easier than ever to get your message everywhere in Southern California. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We got an email from David. He says, I really wish the fans would stop blaming players for our defensive performance and players like Bryson Shaw would stop blaming themselves. Offensive coordinators nowadays try to get their players in one-on-one situations in space because they believe that their players can beat the defender more often than not. Grinch's aggressive defense repeatedly leaves our players in one-on-one situations in space and expects them to make a tackle. Why are we blaming individual defenders for our defensive woes when our defensive coordinator puts them in situations that the the opposing offensive coordinator wants? That's from David. Well, you you know, you try to do matchups and so on, and you can't allow an offense to get in the rhythm because, like I talked a moment ago, spoke a moment ago, you get confidence as you have success, you gain confidence. So you've got to mix things up and you've got to be able to cover up if you have a weakness you know what your weakness is you got to make sure you try to cover that up and you can't allow people to take advantage of those things and uh i think that uh right now people are being able to do that because they have confidence they're passing these films around they all see what how other people are doing it moving the football against usc so we'll do the same thing until they change it so i think that there are some changes that need to be made i think there are some changes i'm not talking about everything. I'm talking about schemes and personnel as far as putting them in a position where they can be successful, letting kids play more, not as much substitution, getting a feel of the game and, and, uh, you know, three and outs. I, I don't know how many three and outs there were, maybe one or two, maybe there were more. I don't really know. or remember, I don't look at the stats that closely. I just look at the game and evaluate the game, but you've got to have success on one side of the football for your kids to gain success and confidence. And they're losing that confidence because of the matches uh, match that, ups that they're getting. Now, if you're going to play a, a man defense, then you've got to go after people. If you're going to play a zone, uh, a zone, uh, you, you've got to really be able to move to the zone and be able to have safety help and all these different things where they don't get the big play. And you've got to make a tackle. You can't play a zone and then have a guy make another 10 yards after he catches the ball. So you've got to do a lot of different type of mix-up and different things that you're doing and disguise your coverages and, uh, you know, try to line up in the right 
position and have communication. And sometimes they're not having uh, the communication they they have and what's necessary. Otherwise, you recruit the wrong guys. As far as they, it's either you or you recruited the wrong guys. Yeah. And uh, I agree with you. I think they're better players on the field in some of the positions than they had before. Okay. And I think that in certain areas of the defense, there needs to be some real corrections or move some of the offensive skilled people to the defensive side of the football. And, and if you don't have a guy that can play a certain position, find one. Find one from the offensive side that knows how to cover somebody or has the speed and make those necessary changes. Yeah. I know you'd like to see the whole be greater than the sum of its parts, and you're seeing the opposite of that. I think that's where there's a disconnect. I'm seeing better players, but I'm not seeing, you know, it, it, they're not coming together and, and producing better results. And maybe some of it's the one-on-one stuff, like David said. So uh, a lot of situations where, I mean, that, there was the Damani Jackson where he slipped. Uh, it was a little, I think it was a little out route or something that the receiver ran. He slips and has to recover and make the tackle. And if he doesn't get back up and make the tackle, it's a touchdown. But even so, it was just like, basically, you beat that guy once. There was no safety anywhere near it. And it was going to be a touchdown. So I don't know if you really want these guys in that kind of situation. Um, all right. We got, a, we, got, we got like four voicemails. I'll play the first one for you. Hey, Coach. I was just thinking about our current situation at USC. And I'm looking at it visually. Seeing two teams playing, two coaches playing each other over a chessboard. You have the offensive coach coaching against the other team's defensive coach, and our defensive coach coaching against the other offensive coach. And what do we know about chess? We know that the more intelligent person wins. And I think that you can read between the lines. Christmas Grinch is not able to compete at a chess game. Take care, Coach. Nice talking to you. Well, thank you very much. It is really like a chess game. If you uh, stop me here, I'm going to do this. I've always said that. Uh, make, uh, make, stop me. Stop me. And if you stop me, I'm going to take advantage of what you made the adjustments to stop me. And it is a chess game. And I think, again, if my X is bigger than your O, it's more difficult for you to do that. And in most situations, most situations, if you look at the recruiting standards and the players that USC has on their roster compared to the rosters of other teams, their players, and they've been ranked higher in recruiting if those services make any difference than other teams. So obviously if you've had pretty good players, and I would say most of the defensive backs and linebackers and so on at USC are all four and five stars, Ryan, you'd probably be more up on that, four- and five-star players playing in the secondary and linebackers and so on and defensive front guys that uh, if you did the right recruiting and you, you're the ones that evaluated them, you're the ones that are coaching them, that you should have success. Obviously, why did you recruit them? Because you felt they were in a, the type of player that you could win with. So you got to put them in a position and you got to have schemes and so on and teach them the skills of playing those positions where the secondary matches up with the 
front guys and the linebackers match up with the secondary and the front guys to put together schemes and call defensives that are uh, performed right, first of all, by the individuals. The players are now starting to take the blame. If you notice, they're saying it's our fault. It's our fault. It's not the coach's fault. It's our fault. Well, why is it your fault? I mean, uh, there's got to be a reason it's your fault. I think you got to start to look at is it uh, you never learned the game before? You don't know what you're supposed to be doing? Or are you not taught properly and you're confused? So I think you've got to look at this all as a package and and see just what it really is before you can correct it. That's the only thing I can say. You've got to find out what's wrong before you can correct it. Yeah. Uh, all right. We got another email from John Abrea, our friend. He says, uh, while it's true, I don't have a trained eye when it comes to football. I know what I'm looking at. In your opinion, coach, does this team play with the passion of a championship team on all three sides of the ball? I don't see it. Is this asking too much uh, from a team where the coaches spend the whole game looking at laminated cards? Who fires up this team when it's needed? The towel guys, John and Brea. Very good question. Very good question. Uh, I think on the offensive side of the the team, they play with enthusiasm. They play with confidence. Uh, I, I think they, uh, you know, they 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 do what they do and they do well and they accomplish what they do because they're so talented. Okay, uh, I'm not going to question a lot of things because even Lincoln Riley himself said I did a, a poor job of calling plays last night. So I'm not saying he didn't call the plays properly. He said it. Okay, uh, so. I think on the offensive side, they have a lot of confidence, but they have a lot of great players. They all want to be a part of it. So I think they can make plays. I think everything's got to be schemed out, though. You've got to be able to do, if they do this, I'm going to do that. And they do it pretty well because they got a pretty good quarterback that can make things happen. But do they have the necessary running game uh, that uh, when you need that one yard or two yards or whatever it is, you're going to get it. I don't know. Or do you have the play that's going to get you that? Or I don't know. I think there's a doubt in some offensive players' minds about the confidence in the running game. That's just a question mark. I don't know. I think they have it in the passing game. They have confidence in the running game. I don't know if they have that confidence, but they haven't yet proven them to themselves or the coach hasn't proven he has the confidence in it. He'd rather throw the football. On the defensive side, uh, I don't know if they're playing at that championship rate. I think there's always a question mark in their mind on having a confidence of going on the field and dominating. What I mean is, uh, you know, we're going to kick your butt no matter what you do. So it's when do you want us to start now, this right now, or a little bit later or whatever, and have fun doing it. I think they play with hesitation as far as not having fun and making the plays to say that, hey, sometimes defensive players do the wrong thing, but they, they made the tackle, they made the right, they did the right thing. And I, and I, and I think that they need to explore more of having fun and getting after people and and uh, not thinking as much. Uh, I'm not on the defensive. I think they think too much, especially the 
the rush guys. I mean, get after people. Don't use just one technique, but remember, you've got to contain, you've got to beat the quarterback. That's who the guy is you got to beat, because he's trying to beat you. And remember, the best athlete on the team normally is the quarterback, and he touches the ball every down. Yeah. So you got to have somebody on him no matter what's going on. Pass rush, option, uh, draw, whatever. And, and uh, I think that on the defensive side, as far as the secondary, I think they hesitate. They don't have the confidence. They show me that uh, they'll play against anybody. We'll line up and say, it's going to be a long day for you, son. And I remember that I used to have some cocky guys, and I'm, they're still out there. We line up and say, you know, How's it going to feel when you don't catch a pass today? <laughs> and 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 you communicate that to the offensive guy. And you're on him like, well, I'm going to be on you. I can't say the terms, but I'm going to be on you more than you know what. Yeah. And and that's what you call confidence. And, and, you, and you live with it. And if a guy catches a pass, you say you're lucky. I slipped. Uh, you got to have that type of confidence. I'm not sure it's there on the defensive side of the football. I'm pretty sure it's there on the offensive side of the football, because they're so skilled, but yet they could be better. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I got We got to get through these. I got another voicemail for you. Get your thoughts. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Coach Hyde. It's Don from Chicago. And um, Ryan, don't want to hear any more excuses for USC anymore. Uh, our defense is absolutely awful undeniable same as last year coach Hyde why are we constantly out of position why are we constantly giving up big plays why can't we stop other teams when we have to stop them on defense please explain to me why and explain to me why we can't change that why can't Alex Grinch change that and if he can't change it, he should be gone. Okay? Coach Hyde, I know you tell it straight, so tell it straight to us now. And what we can do about it, because we've got one more game or two more games before the you-know-what really hits the fan. Thanks so much, Don from Chicago. Well, obviously, uh, the headlines in the paper, the conversation we're having today is not how many touchdown passes Caleb Williams threw and his completion in 403 yards and so on on the national stage. It's really sad that that can't be really discussed more. And the whole part of it has been towards the defense because it's been oncoming. It was what ended the year last year in embarrassing fashion. And it's now getting to that type of situation again as they face tougher competition and uh, it'll continue unless there are some changes done. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think some type of assistance from the head coach and direction to the defensive side of the football by the head coach and other people to build the confidence up of the defensive staff, the defensive coaches that, hey, we're, we're with you, we're 100% with you and so on, and this team doesn't get split. Because if it continues and, and it gets worse, it's going to ruin this season. Absolutely ruin it. So uh, how do you correct it? Well, you're getting paid uh, probably $2 million a year or whatever you are as a defensive coordinator. And the coaches there are getting paid a lot of money. And as a head football coach, you're making a lot more. 
So that doesn't just mean you're getting $10 million to coach the offense. You're getting paid whatever you're getting paid to coach the entire team. And those kids on the defensive side of the football are as much yours as the ones on the offensive side of the football. So you as a head football coach have the responsibility, I believe, this is my belief, to support those kids and make them feel as though they're part of the football team, which is part of the reason sometimes why they don't perform as well as maybe they don't believe as well uh, as far as your support towards them. Because your emphasis is uh, you're known as an offensive coach, you're developing Heisman Trophy quarterbacks and all this and that. Well, you better you better get over on the defensive side and do some help there and sit in some staff meetings there and let them know you care about them at the same time. But obviously there's a problem there. Obviously uh, you've got talent there, as I explained, that should be as good as other teams in the country, you know. Uh, and uh, you've got to, you know, I, I don't want to say what I want to, uh, some of the things I got to say, but <laughs> they, 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 they don't, they don't play well. Okay. They don't tackle well. They don't play well. They don't contain well. They don't cover well. What can I say? There's a reason for that. So there's got to be a reason you get that stuff taken care of. Really? Yeah. We got more questions on it, if you can imagine. Uh, this is from Dave in Arkansas. Hello, gentlemen. I don't understand why people are surprised about the defense. Relax and accept the fact that they are what they are. Coach Riley is obviously a phenomenal coach, offensive coach, who attracts premier quarterbacks and skill position talent. He is not a phenomenal defensive coach and does not attract premier defensive talent. His teams do what they do, outscore opponents, and get to a high level, but never won a national championship. USC will consistently get to the playoff when the field expands, but will rarely win a championship given the average defense and lack of commitment to running the football. They are what they are. If you keep doing the same things, you will keep getting the same results. So don't drive yourself crazy about how they perform because you know how they perform. There will be more post-game conferences that go like this. On defense, we'll get it cleaned up. And on offense, we got to be more committed to the run. If USC wants to be better, there has to be significant change, and that's a very difficult thing for many people, coaches, and organizations to do. I hope Coach Riley and Jen Cohen can be introspective and become agents of change. Fight on, Dave in Arkansas. Well, Dave, I think you said it exactly what we've been saying. Uh, you have to do that. Uh, to win championships, uh, you know, currently right now, you know, you don't win championships without defense. All the great teams in the country play defense. I mean, you look at them all, they all play defense. Yeah, you're sure you, you score a lot of points, but you got to play defense. Georgia, Michigan, I mean, Texas, Ohio State, Washington's playing defense. Penn State, Alabama now, they're turning it around in a hurry. They're going to be playing some great defense. So, you know, Oregon will play great defense. Notre Dame, you know, they play great defense. They beat Duke, an undefeated team last night. So, Florida State, uh, I mean, they, you got to play defense on top of your offense. And uh, unless you hit and go one-on-ones and, and give them the look and you, you coach uh, both ways, offensively and defensively, you don't get any better. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, when we talked about these teams, they've got them ranked 7th or 8th in the country. On my poll that I do weekly that comes out every Thursday, I don't have in my top 12, okay? 
And that's hard to say to you guys because unless you play defense, you're not going to beat those teams that I just talked about. How are you going to beat them? Because you don't have the confidence, number one. They'll ball control you. They'll keep Caleb off the field like last night, 90 plays that Colorado had, time of possession. And uh, every time offense, the offense goes on the field, they got to score. And the pressure of that, all you need to do is have him have an off night, and then you're going to lose. And he can't have that perfect night every single night. And he's afraid of that. And he knows what he means to that team. So he says, I can't do much more than score, throw, score, uh, throw six touchdowns, and we barely win. Because he's taking personal responsibility in his heart that it isn't getting done. And he's just needing some help on the other side of the football. And right now, they're not getting it. So those teams that I just mentioned, uh, do you think USC could beat them right now if they played next week? So I'm not trying to be negative. I guess I sound that. Just my opinion, my humble opinion. That's what it is. We had a question from Joan. She said, I'm happy we won. Who isn't? But the feeling is hollow. I could parrot every other person and focus on the um, defense and its colossal collapse or the lack of a run game when we so need it. We have so many good running backs. Instead, my question is, how does a coach rationalize that performance so that he can continue to do the same thing and expect different results? It isn't funny. I feel badly for the players who are really, really good. If only they would be allowed to perform with consistency. We see it. It's there. And then it comes crumbling down like Humpty Dumpty. How does Riley notice and understand that he needs to change? Well, uh, I don't know uh, how you say that. All I know that uh, I'm sure, you know, you say coaches don't read uh, articles or listen to shows. Uh, they do. Or people tell them about what people are saying. Uh, I, I agree as far as the running game. We all know that. You don't, you don't win championships without running the football. And do you have a complete running game uh, in your football scheme? Uh, I don't think you do. I don't see the toss. I don't see anything that uh, to, to, to the perimeter as far as attacking that or coming back against the grain to hold the backside. I don't see anything uh, that would slow down the pass rush uh, at all. Uh, as far as trying to help, uh, I mean, they maybe ran one draw. Uh, some of the screens, uh, short screens, inside screens, uh, no tight end uh, proficiency that would help them as far as catching the ball, big man on small man, make him a tackle, a big tight end, no. Uh, you know, a lot of these things they're not doing offensively, but they're having success because they have the miracle man. And when you have him, try it without him, okay? See what happens. How many of these plays would be completed or done without him? You're going to have to have a real different type of approach to an offense without a quarterback like him, okay? So on the defensive side, uh, you know, I think they get better by only going against a complete type of offense, complete type of offense that prepares them for other teams, and uh, you heard me always say you've got to be physical. You've got to get give them a look. Or when they play teams that are physical, they've never gone against a team that's physical, and they don't know how to react to it. So it's just all part of it as far as getting ready to play and preparing your team to get ready to play. And right now they're 5-0. and They're undefeated. But look who they played. 
Colorado, uh, they went into Colorado and they found out what it's like to be in a football atmosphere. They were able to withstand it and get out of there, but they're going to see that at Notre Dame and other places. Yeah. Uh, here's the next voicemail for you, coach. Hi, Ryan. Hope you're doing well. I left you a message a long time ago, uh, about the defense in terms of SC. And you said, uh, they need more time to figure it out this year. At the end of the day, uh, coach said that they are who they are. And Grinch is who he has been in Oklahoma and also SC. And of course, coach was right. You're an engineer. You deal with probabilities. If you take a look at the history of Grinch, and the probabilities that he was going to improve would be very slim. So here we are again. We had Utah twice last year, Delane. I was at the Berkeley game, which was embarrassing. And Lincoln Riley, year after year after year, has had defenses that are subpar at best. When he said in the interview, to a trained eye as of a, as of a coach, to a trained eye as of a coach, he sees Grinch um, in a different light. So I don't understand why these coaches get tunnel vision and everyone else can see the light. But clearly the light that Riley's looking through is not the same lens as everyone else. Keely, if you're listening to this podcast, and I'm sure you are, you were a great great addition to it a while back, uh, I'm hoping you have someone's ear uh, because their defense is going to ruin them for the rest of the year. They're going to lose four games this year, so they're in panic mode. That was disastrous, disastrous game for a team, Colorado, who'd never had a running game the whole entire year, and all of a sudden they did with SC. It sounds familiar. Clay, Clay Helton 2.0. Thank you. Well, wow. you know. Clay Helton 2.0. I don't know. <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> I mean, that's uh, – uh, I would pump the brakes <laughs> a little bit, but okay. Um, some people are upset, Coach. Well, you know, uh, if you have a reputation as a coach, as a head football coach developing great players on both sides of the football, it's a hell of a lot easier to recruit, okay? When you have a tremendous offensive coordinator, tremendous defensive coordinator. Look what Nick Saban has done with Lane and Steve Sarkeesian and Bill O'Brien and all these other coaches that have been there. Kirby Smart, who was a part of assistant coach. And we can go on, and I don't know how many head coaches he has everywhere, okay? Well, you got the quality type of person that when you have a reputation to have a balanced football team offensively and defensively, you're able to get great players on both sides of the football because they're player makers. They'll make you a better football player. SC used to be called tailback U. Penn State was called linebacker U. I mean, they all got offensive line at uh, universities. I mean, all of the above. And uh, if you look at the great teams out there, you've got basically head coaches who are not coaching the offense or defense they're managing the football program. Uh, you look at Nick Saban, you look at Jim Harbaugh, you look at uh, Brian Kelly, you look at uh, Kirby Smart, you look at all of them. You see Kirby Smart yelling at the offense or pulling the offense together and touching the offense on timeouts and the defense. 
because he knows what's going on, and both of the kids are going to respond to him. And yet he's a great recruiter, but yet he has great offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. That kids go want to go there because they're going to win and they're going to get better. So I just think it's very difficult to coach one side of the football and be a head football coach today at any level. Yeah. I just think it's very, very difficult. But you're required to do so many different things away from the football program that are necessarily, uh, really necessary to do where you can't do, but you don't have enough time to do, but you're so involved in your game planning that you're blind to everything else. Yeah. And uh, I think this is part of what you find out, especially when you're in L.A., you're not in East Carolina, you're not in Normal Oklahoma really, really isn't anything else to do. You're the only game in town. But when you're doing it, there's a pattern that's there. It's not just been at USC, it's been where he's been, that his emphasis on one side of the football has definitely showed and made a difference. All right, we got a couple more. We'll let you go. Um, This is from Jack in New Jersey. He's like, Oh my God, have you guys been just inundated with Coach Grinch hate mail? At the end of the year, Coach Riley stood behind Coach Grinch and said it wasn't the defensive scheme. It was a lack of depth and talent on the defensive side of the ball that showed poorly. Thanks to the portal, I think we we all see a vast improvement in both of these areas, depth and talent. So my question to Coach Hyde, is Coach Grinch just stubborn and refuses to make necessary adjustments because he does what he does, like Coach Harrell, or is it just well-versed enough in defensive schemes that he's even capable of making the necessary adjustments? and I, Or is he just not well-versed enough? And I don't mean in-game adjustments, but the overall approach. Thanks from Jack in New Jersey. Um, and he wants to know if I saw Colin Cowherd, my buddy Colin Cowherd's post on YouTube after the game. I did. Uh, I did. I saw that too. But uh, more thoughts on Coach Grinch uh, from Jack in New Jersey, Coach. Well, uh, I don't know what to say. It, but. <laughs> it's, I've, I, I think we've said all we can say about it, but the, the, you know, you've got to be able to uh, communicate with players, fans, parents, recruits, and all be on the same page because this type of uh, conversation on a Sunday isn't healthy as far as for a football program. And for the parents of the kids that are on the football team, especially on the defensive side of the football, to be battered around like this and people being critical, uh, I think it's uh, a responsibility of a football coach in the university to correct it if you're going to play at the level that people expect you to play at. And I think it all started when when he was hired, the – the big PR publicity part of it, that everything was going to be done and done well and we are going to win national championships and the Learjets and the $7 million home and the $100 million contract and all of that was going to put together a national championship team. It has very little to do putting together a championship team. Obviously, it brings a lot of exposure to the program but again, you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with. That means personnel-wise, coaching-wise, 
front office wise, recruiters, who's on the sideline. Someone made a a comment a minute ago on a question of why towel waivers and this and that. What are they doing there? Are they distracting or are they coaching? Uh, uh, are are the kids uh, involved in the program? Do they know what defense is being called so they can learn? If another kid makes a mistake, they knew what the call was. Are they all around the defensive coordinator? Do they have headsets that they're sharing that with their groups of players that stand next to them? I don't know. The same thing with the offensive side of the football. Riley's trying to get the play in. I don't know if anybody else knows what the play is, but it's all hand signals. I'm not quite sure if the other quarterbacks uh, are knowing what's being called at the same time. I mean, this is all part of the confusion and everything you see on the sideline. There's so many people on the sideline, I really don't know, and it's hard to tell what's going on. But uh, as I said earlier, and I'll say it again, he's 16-3 and and 5-0 and and undefeated. But we're all looking forward to seeing some improvement on one side of the football that's been not good for a long period of time. And uh, there becomes a saturation point of what we're all talking about. Yep. All right, here's one more voicemail for you, Coach. Yes, uh, Don Autry from Upland, California. Hello, Coach Hyde. I'm going to give you my honest opinion about the USC football team. I really feel sorry for the offense. They have really been putting the points up on the scoreboard. It is the defense that has really let this team down. I keep hearing Coach Grinch saying week after week, we got some things we got to clean up. Oh, please. He sounds like a broken record. Here we are five games into the season, and nothing positive defensively has changed. I see this season actually ending worse than last year. The remaining schedule is going to be tough. And finally, they say Colorado played exceptionally well. Very easy to play exceptionally well against a defense that's not good. Oregon's defense was good. Therefore, they couldn't play exceptionally well. All right. Uh, what do you think, Coach, from Don? Well, you know, you, you listen, everybody has an opinion. I think he has this good opinion of, of himself and, and what he's saying. I think he knows football. Uh, I think after a period of time, you get beat down so much, like I said, as a defensive uh, part of the football program, you lose a lot of confidence. You start sometimes believing on what everybody's saying, and you start questioning maybe some of the things the coaches might be telling you or what your high school coach might be telling you or your parents are telling you or whatever or what I'm telling you or what our callers are telling you. Because I know kids listen to this stuff, okay? And it's really tough on them. And uh, I really uh, feel for them because they know exactly what people are going to say when this happens. And it gets out of control in the momentum of a game. I said, when they scored right before half, Colorado, I said, uh-oh. That brought the momentum and the crowd back into the game. 
They had the football when they came out in the third quarter. They started being a different football team completely because they gained momentum. They gained, uh, say, confidence, and things started to work. And at the same time, USC was losing confidence on the defensive side of the football. And when you continually lose confidence, and then you start to deteriorate and put point figures at people. And uh, that was your fault, not my fault, and this and that. And right now, that's probably a situation right now they're discussing in SAP, meaning what they're going to do. Because if they don't get it straightened away, as this gentleman just said, they will lose three or four more football games because they'll go against teams that will take advantage of basically what's going on currently right now on the USC uh, football program as far as the defensive side and the offense side will then start to diminish their performance because they'll be stressing a little bit too hard to make up the difference. Yeah. All right. We got one more coach and we'll let you go. I know we've had, we had wow. a ton, ton of questions. I know our buddy, Dan class of 62 watching the USC games the past two weeks against highly inferior opponents has been painful. Even the announcers were spotting Lloyd running plays by his wider splits from Caleb compared to his closeness on the passing plays for protection. Can't Riley or a spotter in the press box uh, spot this, tell, and correct it? Uh, I haven't noticed that. I'll have to go back and look. Also, please tell me the value of a three-man rush while dropping eight into coverage on third downs and leaving the middle of the field open for quarterback runs. No attempt to double the freshman end who had caught a pass all who hadn't caught a pass all year until the 196 yards and a touchdown against the single coverage Trojans while once again playing a soft zone where the linebackers and safeties are always out of position to help in coverage. And of course, uh, there are still tackling issues. Do they practice tackling every week? Play calling on offense was spotty at best with no real running game, no misdirection, and the position of the running back tipping off running plays. Unfortunately, two bad games is becoming a trend. Fight on Dan, class of 62. So no question in there, I guess. Well, I guess uh, he asked about if they practice tackling. They do practice tackling for what we're told and what we could see, but we can't watch most of it. Well, I hope they're practicing. Uh, you know, I've never seen, and I know Lincoln Riley is really uh, loyal to his staff, but I've never seen him get upset at the way they're playing on the defensive side of the football. You're damn right we're not playing well over there. We're going to get that straightened away. We're going to make some changes. I, I, I've i never seen any type of firmness in his tone of voice except for uh, getting mad for people for asking the questions. And I think that's what people are a little bit upset with because you get basically the same answers uh, we've got a new roster. We've got to get things set and straightened away. I mean, people don't want to hear that. People want to see you get mad, coach. People want to hear you say, "Hey, this is, we're not playing championship type of football. We're we're the shits on defense." Excuse me, ladies. I, I apologize for using that word, but that is something that I would have to explain myself to the team and my coaches to. And. uh Unless there's some changes happening on that side of the football, we're going to make some changes. I think there's got to be uh, a, an opportunity to warn people that uh, it isn't going the way it's supposed to be going. 
And uh, if uh, it doesn't improve, then the necessary changes will have to be done. Now, I don't know if the athletic director has met with Lincoln Riley or if they have any type of communication where she might say, uh, what are you thinking? Uh, we'd like to know. I'd like to know what your thoughts are because we're getting a lot of criticism this way, and I'm sure they are, and the president is, that uh, what what is going on? I, I, don't, I, I don't think anybody likes this type of conversation, okay? But I think until you show the people that you recognize the problem, people will not respect it. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, long show, but uh, we had a lot of questions to get to. So thanks for everyone for sending those in. Um, I guess we had an early game, so it makes it a little bit easier to get those in. But thank you to everyone for doing that. And thank you, Coach, for uh, coming on and sharing all your thoughts. It's always great stuff. Well, buddy, thank you very much. And uh, for people that live in Southern California, I do a Sunday morning show uh, 10 a- at 10 a.m. on AM 830. Uh, the Raider station, the Angel station. So if you'd like to listen on Sundays, please do so. All right. Well, that's the Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 